welcome to the NUSC Outcast podcast, the podcast that talks everything Newcastle United. And today, um, we've not been on for a while, we've come back, so I'm joined by Jim Carlberg. How are you doing, Jim? I'm good, thanks very much. Yeah? Yeah, all, so, all things considered. Yeah, let's get started on the game. So, um, I'm going to be honest, I did go to the game. <laughs> um, the reason I, so I haven't renewed my season ticket for this season, but um, I was very annoyed when I saw the amount of season ticket sales that were posted, basically. Um, I was expecting from generally looking on social media that the amount of people who were going to go to the games was going to be much, much lower. And when I found out that actually there is a reduction, but not a huge reduction in the number of season ticket sold, I decided I'm still going to go to maybe a few five or six games this year, but not last year I went to, you know, I had a season ticket, I went to 15, 16, so. But uh, yeah, I did go to the game. I mean, let's talk about the game first before we get on to the politics. Okay. So talking about the game as a whole, what were your thoughts on it? Um, I thought that it was... Well, obviously the football's back and it's a, it's an interesting uh, time to be a Newcastle fan. Obviously, a lot of new signings were, were present uh, on the day uh, and a, a lot were um, put straight into the team. Uh, Jalinton being the, the notable example. I think he looked uh, quite dangerous at times in the, in the first half, uh, but got much, much quieter uh, in the second half. And I think that was... He, he kind of uh, embodied... Um, the, the, the game as a whole, really, it, it mm. was a, a, you know, it was an okay-ish um, showing in the first half, and then it just really seemed to peter out. I know there's been a lot of reaction to that second half across various aspects of the media, uh, and yeah, it, it was quite uninspiring mm. by the end of things. Yeah, I think... For me, looking at that first half, there was a lot to be pleased with in terms of, I feel, Shelby played well in that first half. Hayden was making some good runs defensively. Look, we looked sound and we looked organised. And Almiron, again, was making dangerous dribbles with the ball. Maybe no end product, but dangerous dribbles with the ball. And Joe Linton. Um, so from what I saw of Joe Linton, I felt he looked threatening but I didn't feel he looked like a striker I have to be honest um he went quite deep a lot of the time um he doesn't seem he whilst he's a you know he's a tall guy and you know he's obviously got he's got a decent touch he was so deep at times and I think the players themselves are probably used to having I mean Ultimately, we're, this is what's going to happen this year. We're going to compare him with Rondon because obviously Rondon was doing so well. It's unavoidable, um, isn't it? It's, it's unavoidable. And some of the positions he was taking up were so... I know at Hoffenheim, he was playing on the wing. Um, so obviously it's a bit different. It's going to take him time to settle in. Let's remember Rondon didn't start last season. He had fitness issues and so forth before he got used to it. So, you know, you can't make judgments based on, you know, that first half. But I was just a bit concerned that whilst Rondon didn't start as well last year, he actually kind of was very advanced, while Joe Linton seemed to want to come deep, which, um, I mean, it depends, really. But, uh, yeah, 
I think if we talk about... I mean, Rondon and Perez are very, very incisive with their, their play. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't get that impression. I think he was on there to sort of play as, a, you know, quite a, a technically adept target man, um, which probably doesn't... We don't know whether it suits him or not. The, yeah, it's, and, it's very, and, very early days. My issue as well is that I, when I looked at the Arsenal team, I felt we were very lucky with who was playing. Um, they had, um, you know, there was obviously they had two young kids playing in Willock and Nelson. Callum Chambers was at the back. Um, you know, Socrates, not a normal team they would play. Um, you know, they had a makeshift right back in Maitland Niles. So I felt there was an opportunity there. And, and we did create some chances. Let's remember Shelby hit the bar. Uh, Almiron had some, you know, threatening runs. And we did look, you know, at times very dangerous. But I just felt it's a bit, it was a bit of a wasted opportunity. So talking about the second half, because I felt things went a bit, down when Shelby came off. I don't know what you thought. Um, well, uh, what you lose when the likes of Shelby comes off is he can play that killer pass. Um, he's obviously able to spot uh, movement in a, a way that's different to your, your average player. Um, I, I think with some of the a key thing was with like the substitutes that that came on. There was a bizarre selection really of substitutes in that we didn't have any midfielders really mm. to bring on. Uh, well, so... you, yeah, that's definitely something I agree with you. How can you have a three-five-two formation with three central midfielders and not have a substitute centre midfielder on the bench? Why is Key not on the bench? Yeah, and and Richie's no Richie on on that basis doesn't seem like he can play on the the inside either. He just hasn't got the no. he, he hasn't got the legs really to 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 be that kind of um, you know I guess more. And Shelby's not exactly box to box, but he's—I think—he's generally a, a fitter player, if not the most mobile. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 I mean, Arsenal. The the, the goal um, for Arsenal's goal was 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 basically it was the the difference was um, a, a lack of shape and um, from in defence, I think, which is 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 a hangover from the lack of Rafa's regimen being in place, yeah. and also. Um, it was a world-class finish. It was it was just a brilliant finish from Aubameyang. Uh, yeah, I, st- so I do. Think it, for me, it was a rookie error. Willems is waiting for the ball rather than going to receive it. Maitland Niles has absolutely done in. It's a great ball in, and Aubameyang's ball is great. But for me, he just—I mean—that whole substitution. The Willems one coming on, it looked bizarre. Firstly, because he went charging around in central midfield. Firstly, watching him play, I don't think he's played left wing back. I know he's probably, or he didn't understand how to play in this system, because he wasn't, he wasn't staying out and providing defensive cover. He kept pushing forward, pushing. I know we were one nil down, but still, I was like, does this guy know he's playing left wing back, not left wing? <laughs> Because it was really strange to watch. And when the subs happened, you could see Hayden saying to the other players, like, where is everyone playing? It was just disorganised. Like, even Hayden was saying to him, 
like what the hell is happening in terms of you could see they were they were really annoyed with it. Um, Reportedly, Bruce said something similar. I understand. I mean, on the touchline for me, that's just a lack of you know, um, it's just a lack of communication and attention to detail. Um, mm, very telling. Very telling. Um, so yeah, in terms of looking at Steve Bruce generally, I mean, I have no problems with him as a person. He seems like a nice guy, um, and so forth. Uh, I mean, when you heard he was appointed, what were your thoughts? Well, it's disappointing. Apparently, he was the eleventh choice on <laughs> on a list, which you know does doesn't bode well whatsoever. Um, I'm pretty ambivalent about. Bruce as a character, I don't really, you know, his record speaks quite uh, negatively of him, you know, lowest win ratio uh, in the Premier League, um, you know, he's been out of management in the Premier League for a very, very long time, um, so, and, and and obviously we've lost somebody who has won, you know, has a trophy cabinet at the length of your arm, um, mm. and I've got quite long arms, um, so... <laughs> It's 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 immediately it's it's disappointing on that front. You know, you've got um, teams like Brighton, for instance, who have gone and gone for somebody who's who's a fresh face, um, even if that doesn't bear out. You know, it's trying to explore options and be inventive, um, and and you, they could have they could have done a bit more um, exploration on the continent and things like that. But I think that's what comes with having Lee Charnley in charge rather than. Uh, any you know other someone who's competent basically um so i'm pretty ambivalent about bruce as a character i don't i'm not really i'm not really bothered about that i don't think he really brings anything that's particularly uh innovative or or particularly offensive mm-hmm. I, I think that, that there's a definite club pr move in terms of emphasizing that he's a he's a geordie uh, and he's a he's a local lad i think that's Mentioned by him a couple of times, but it's been really done to death by the the, the wider PR, uh, which which like no one no one cares. Like. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. John whatsoever. Carver was a Geordie. Yes. Well, you, you look at the characters over the years. Uh, Sprung to mind Jonas Gutierrez, who's yeah. who's widely celebrated. You know, there's debate to him how effective he was as a as a player. Um, but you know, in terms of understanding what Newcastle was about and embracing the fan base and things like that. And obviously he had his own political situation going on. You know, the guys from Buenos Aires, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, that applies the same for, for managers, you know, at Rafa's from, from Madrid. Uh, it, it, it really, really doesn't matter, especially in the modern game as well, where, where a lot of continental coaches and foreign coaches have, have these fresh ideas that seem to be really, really important. You know, look at look at the look at the scope of managers that are in the in the Premier League in the first place, and how many of them are in the Bruce mould. There's very very few. Mm. My my issue with Bruce is looking at his managerial CV. Is I do have respect for some of the things. You know, he got hold to a he got hold to an FA Cup final. Hull's a very unfashionable club. How how we would love to get to an FA Cup final. He did decent jobs at. Um, Wigan and Birmingham as well um, and I do have respect for him for doing that. My issue is he's managed, in my opinion, two massive clubs in Aston Villa and Sunderland and both of them have ended pretty terribly. 
Um, the Aston Villa job, you can say, oh, he had, uh, he got them to the playoff final and they were unlucky in the final. But the next season, he had a pretty good squad and they were mid-table, really, and, you know, losing at home were defensively all over the place. I mean, I did watch some of their games last year and generally they were underachieving. So the other, obviously Sunderland again, it kind of all fell apart as well. Um, bad signings, bad with things, and that fell apart. So you've got two clubs which are, you know, the two probably biggest clubs, and he really struggled. And I think he, with Newcastle, he's going to realise that basically, and what he suffered with Aston Villa is that every little thing gets analysed. These sorts of things where you make a substitution and, you know, it's bizarre and everyone, they probably wouldn't be so highlighted at Wigan or Hull or, you know, these clubs or Sheffield United. Um, but when it comes to Newcastle, it is going to be highlighted. And I think he's, you know, I know his son came out to defend him on Twitter. This is going to be something he's going to have to get used to. I mean, Rafa was not perfect in terms of his substitutions. But, you know, I just don't think the kind of lack of detail there in the in the system made sense for me. I think the other thing which, like... A lot of people have mentioned is he didn't bring on Gail wasn't on the bench um, which I just again I found it a bit strange I'd rather have Gail on the bench than Muti on the bench if we need a goal so you know again it's just little things which you know I don't know whether they were thinking they might sell Gail still because obviously the, the championship win but I don't, I'm not sure but it just seemed to me again just like small errors. I think he he deserves a chance. Let's remember last year we didn't win for ten games. So <laughs> um we didn't start well at all. But I would have expected I just think that's a rookie error and it's you know, it's a lack of that is a rookie error. I mean, yeah, if we're trying to be objective, wholly objective, it's it has been one game. I yeah. think Norwich will be a much bigger indicator of things like tactical acumen uh, and his, his actual approach to games. You know, it, Arsenal are a top six side. Um, there, we haven't really had a, again, due to the nature of how we do our transfer business, things like that, a, a proper pre-season and you know a lot of the transfers were coming in before there was a manager in place or a head coach in place so he he clearly doesn't sign the players I mean that's like clear I mean it's I mean what Rafa said today we'll come on to that but yeah I mean for me it's clear he doesn't sign the players nobody can tell me that he wanted some Moxine or Joe Linton the Joe Linton deal was done in February he has no say on the players it does (laughs) it does it does annoy me when when he comes out with uh, you know, it, 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 it's clear it's clear that's not the case that yeah. he, he signs the players, but he's he's had to go along with that myth making. Uh, you know, he's I, he's, um, he's in the very same situation Alan Pardew is in, where Alan Pardew I think he saw deficiencies at times, but he had to pretend that you know they were the players he wanted when you know, and I think. Steve Bruce at the minute, he's like, it's okay, you know, it's, um, yeah, yeah. But I think as the season goes on, it'll be interesting to see what happens. 
Yep. Well, it's back, and it's mm. Newcastle United, so we'll have to. I'll say who I thought had the worst game. Um, I would actually say Longstaff. I felt that was the poorest I've seen him play. Um, he didn't, for me, he didn't have an impact on the game. I know he's just come back from a long-term injury. Um, he played quite well in pre-season, but um, he he was the one who struggled the most, and I don't feel he made an impact at all on the game. Um, it was quite interesting. A lot of the fans were saying, "Oh, he's." <laughs> He's thinking he's playing for Man United already, which is, you know, he's going to, I mean, it's very, I mean, like we said, it's only one game, but he's going to have to deal with the fact that he's become more high profile now because he's been linked with Man United as well. So he's going to have to step up and really, and really kind of show his form and show his ability that he showed for us last year. I don't know what you think. It's going to be like the, the difficult second album, isn't it? For yeah, it's it music is music act. Yeah, you know, had that that nine or so games that uh, mm. where he made a huge impact. Can can it be yeah. reinvigorated and can it be sustained? Because yeah. it seems like you know he's he's going to be a mainstay. Uh, and mm. whilst it's good to have a you know a young uh, English talent who's a local lad as well. Yeah. There, you know, that seems to be respected. It's it, it, it's got to be to the, you know, it's got to complement the team yeah. in the long run. So, the player I would say to him, he should look out for being very careful, is Jermaine Genus. Jermaine Genus, when he first joined Newcastle, and um, his first full season with us, he was really, really good. He ran the games. His passing was very good. He got goals. He made great runs from midfield. It was that exciting Sir Bobby Robson era. After that year, though, I felt he didn't. He he lost a little bit, and this was generally in his career. And he never hit those heights again. So I think Longstaff needs to think right. I need to keep on kicking on, keep on improving, keep on. Um. So and I think he will get a lot more time from the fans because obviously he's um, a local player and he did so well last year. But he's just got to watch out because I, I wouldn't like to see him stall like we've seen with a few of the others. Um, um, obviously, it's one game, so but um, it was just something I was thinking about. Like, yeah, he, he just does need to be careful. We'll have to see what the what culture develops in terms yeah. of bringing players on and especially young talent as well. Because um, the likes of Dummett, for instance, improved. Or, or, or seem to be really effective under under Rafa. I know he's not necessarily mm. as, as young, but he was. He's obviously a product mm. of the academy. Uh, mm. And um, yeah, uh, it is one game, um, as you say. So you know, he might he might be back uh, to his usual nine game self. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 have to see how that pans out. All right. So if we look at Newcastle's uh, transfer transfers this year. We'll start with looking at obviously the forward, Joe Linton. Um, big price tag, um, £40 million. It sounds to me like this deal had been already set up um, in February and it was just about kind of confirming it over the summer. Um, never been kind of prolific um, in his career. I think he got seven, seven goals last year. Um do you think we've been? I mean, it's hard to say, obviously, but 
looking at it generally, I mean, it does look like we've been a bit ripped off. <laughs> I'll be honest. Someone we've got, got to bear in mind that we. You've got to bear in mind that we recoup thirty million from Perez off a like a one point five was it million mm. uh, purchasing him a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so you know the the the, the money, the, the forty million figure. Um, you know you, you have to take that with all the other mm. transfer factors that go along with it. So you know I don't know exactly, but let's say that that that's. 10 million it probably might represent um okay business we don't we don't know but um i suppose what what's what's um, we'll probably come on to that with with some of the other players i mean um the likes of uh St. maximum um started uh, sorry came on as a substitute um yeah. in the game as well um 16 million he was right right so it's it's our it's a case I think more more than the the the, the finances of it whether we're actually uh, buying what we need um, to to improve the team. Um, Joe Linton with his goal record, you know, it's it, it's not particularly notable, um, but he, as you know, to look at it positively, he he did look like he was uh, quite a lively, um, you know, technically adept player. Um, in the first half against Arsenal, and uh, St. Maximum as well was a was a, a real live wire, um, and a, a, attacked it um, mm. in his in his debut. So, my issue with St. Maxim is like I'm really he looks like a very exciting player. He takes people on. He runs with the ball. Um, there's two things. If you're going to play three five two, where is he going to play? Like I keep, is he going to just play off the striker? Is he going to play in the Almiron role? Where's then? Where's Almiron going to play? For me, it makes sense to sign someone like that if you're going to play four three three. If you're going to play three five two, where is he going to play right wing back? I mean, I don't, I, I don't really. That's another thing which just seemed like uh, he seems positive and so forth. But you know, he's, I think he scored three, four goals last year and got five assists. So he's not someone who's, you know, he scores regularly. And remember, league earner is not as good as the Premier League. So, I mean, it's just something I just, I wonder whether he's going to change the formation or um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, we mentioned about how Bruce doesn't have input in the the signings. And and this this signing that we just mentioned is, is... been lined up since February, as as alluded to in the the letter uh, or article today that came out. Um, so it goes back to this this idea that what what's the priority? Is the priority that players are brought in to suit the needs of the team? Obviously, we needed a centre forward. We we always need midfielders. Um, left back. Uh, is has been some and and wing backs in general have been something that we've been uh, trying to upgrade for uh, mm. a long time or needed to upgrade for a long time, and so it's it's this this dichotomy between are we serving the needs of the team or is it just another young player that we've signed mm. in order to make profit on a little bit later down the line, mm. and at, at the present we don't we don't know with these particular players, but. Obviously, given uh, 
the way Newcastle United works and has worked in the past, um, it, it, it seems to me at least that that that's the focus, that's the priority, is, is not necessarily suiting the system or the needs mm. of the team, but that comes first and then it's up to the head coach to yeah. um, work it out somehow. So, um, so the, it was interesting, I heard... I read quite a few articles, actually Vieira basically, because Vieira was St. Maxime's manager last season. And um, he was basically saying he's not sure about his his attitude. Um, he, as well, he wasn't sure he was quite a team player. And obviously Patrick Vieira, you know, he had an amazing career with Arsenal here. He knows the British mentality is probably one of the greatest midfielders, you know, that we had. And he wasn't that upset to see him go because he found him a bit disruptive, um, which was just a little bit worrying. But, you know, we're going to give him a chance, see how he gets on. I mean, let's not, you know, this isn't a Ben Arthur or a Kabai signing where, you know, Ben Arthur was renowned as one of the most gifted French Youngsters, he played for France before he joined Newcastle. The Clairefontaine product. Yeah, Kabai the same. You know, these are they. They were French. St. Maxime is. I mean, he's only he's very young still, so you know, there's plenty of time. But I'm just saying, it's maybe a, a rung below. But I'm definitely, obviously, we're willing to give him a chance. And I think he, just watching him, he's definitely an, an upgrade on Atsu and Kennedy. <laughs> um, so. You know, it'll be interesting to see um, how he does. He reminded um, me of Luar Luar. Oh, yeah. Um, which, you know, he was <laughs> he was hot and cold. Uh, I think, it, I always think with Luar Luar, he was a bit, he was very unlucky because obviously at the time you had Craig Bellamy and they were kind of, and Craig Bellamy was in such good form at that time that he was never going to get in ahead of Craig Bellamy. I mean, he had a decent career generally, Luar Luar. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like maybe that unpredictability. Yeah, you're probably um, right there. It was a difficult time, wasn't it, to to be to someone get, in, yeah, in that squad. Be to get in ahead of Craig Bellamy. Um, looking at obviously Willems, who is was signed on loan from Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, someone who's you know who's been linked with Newcastle for quite a few years now. So I was amazed that we actually got it over the line. I mean, debuts aside, I mean, that could be quite quite a good signing. Obviously, he had a poor game when he came on, but, you know, you can't judge him. I mean, he's got a reputation. But then again, I'm, I, I do wonder, like, there must be a reason why they're loaning him out <laughs> rather than... How old is he? I think he's 25, 26. I'll just double check. Yeah, I think he's 25, 26. Okay, so it's that... Yeah, that kind of middle rung of of, of player um, in terms of the age bracket that's not too controversial. Um, yeah, I'd, I'll be honest, I don't know a great deal about him other than that uh, we've been in for him for yeah, years, 25, supposedly. Yeah, he's 20, 25. And he's made 22 appearances for the Dutch national team. Okay. So he so. does have a pedigree and so forth. Um would I prefer a specialist wing back to play there instead of Richie? Yes. <laughs> um, so um, it will be interesting. We also 
went and signed Emile Kraft from Amiens um, in France uh, for six million, who can play on either wing back role, um, preferably right wing back. And I think Steve Bruce said that they had basically signed him because they were worried about Yedlin coming back from injury, because obviously Yedlin's had this operation in the summer and you know it's going to take him a bit of time to recover. I mean, I think that was definitely an area we needed to strengthen because Yedlin did struggle um, a little bit last year. So I'm glad we kind of addressed that area. Yeah, so it could be argued some areas of the team have been uh, addressed. I, I, I guess the the issue is we, we, we don't seem to draw from any proven uh, Premier League Mm. experience and therefore you know with with the likes of Rondon at least we knew that he'd played in the the leagues before uh and Andy Carroll <laughs> Andy Carroll of course uh yeah, yeah. that I mean, that's we might as well talk about him I mean he's that Premier League experience we just discussed I mean what were your thoughts when it was confirmed you know there's there's an element of Romanticism and PR around this signing, I think, you know, that the, to coincide with the the Geordie manager, you know, you have the return of the the Geordie uh, form of prospect that we had and 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 subsequently sold. I, I, you know, whether whether I didn't exactly treat it as a as this huge homecoming. Um, you know, he's he's it's whether he's fit or not. I I, I do, you know, he he, he is a physical presence. He is the sort of player that can cause a different type of problem if you need a need a you know different output or a, a goal or you're chasing a game. Then um, if he if he can keep fit, which is the crucial thing, then maybe he can be of use. But you know, it's, I don't think it's quite the uh, the romanticism that the the powers that be would would probably like us to share in. For me, it's it was a kind of kind of no-brainer with the deal. I'm not excited by it, but on a free, on a pay-as-you-play contract, like if I was them, I would just see how he is till January. If it's not working, then I would just, you know, if he's constantly injured, then just say, okay, that's it. Because he, I've I've watched him obviously since he's left Newcastle. Um, he was very effective for West Ham, I think, in the first two years. I think West Ham fans kind of acknowledged his injuries because he was so good. However, last year when he played, he wasn't as effective. And they noticed that he wasn't... There was worries with when he's jumping because obviously he's had all these ankle problems um, and so forth. With a, you know, he's still kind of got that same presence and so forth. I mean, on a free, would I take the deal? I think for me, there were three players who were available, wasn't it? Carol Sturridge and Welbeck. Um, and we've gone for the most injury prone out of all three of them. So, yeah, it's gonna, it's a big gamble. And I, I just don't think we'll get enough games out of him, just looking at his, his injury record. Yeah, I don't think he's played more than 15 games in a season. I don't, so, I, don't, I don't foresee him being much of a feature. No, to be honest, it it it's, it smacks of of uh, a kind of because needs must. Uh, oh, like Colt Hero signing. 
Mm. And like you say, because it was it's a free, then financially there's there's no risk, which would obviously appeal to. Um, and he'll he'll be he'll be on a performance related wage, so only if he plays, only if he scores. Basically. Right. So it rather than you know if we went and signed someone else who would be on quite a high wage, but that's what you get with injury prone players. Not. But yeah, I think it will be interesting to see how how much he plays. I can't see him playing more than fifteen games, and I can't see him scoring many goals. If I'm honest, I think. Like it's it's weird when I when I see his career, I just remember the guy we had, and I just feel so frustrated that it didn't work out. Um, for me, for a contribution, there's so many factors looking at his career generally. Um, at the time when we sold him, I think it was January 2011, he had scored that season 11 goals in 14 games. Obviously, had a great season in the championship as well. But I just remember thinking, I remember we played Chelsea and I think he was playing against Terry and Alex and he absolutely destroyed them. Just was so strong and, you know, he, he could score. He was, you know, do you remember his goal against Liverpool from outside the box? I mean, yeah, really, yeah. really, really good. I mean, he was such a good player. I remember I went to Bolton when Bolton beat us, I think, 5-1. And Carroll was like the only hope for us that game. And, you know, he scored in that game as well. And I just think he was so badly advised to join Liverpool um, at the time. And his career would... And I think as well, it's lifestyle. His lifestyle obviously wasn't very good. and may have contributed to some of the injuries he's got because we know that alcohol impairs muscle repair and everything. And he, he didn't have a very good lifestyle. Sounds to me like he's changed his life. I heard he's vegan now and he does everything properly and he's become very professional. But I just think, oh, what if? Because I really did think at the time that this, he's going to be... I thought he was going to be Newcastle striker for 10 years and I thought he was going to be... Um, I thought he would be regularly in England squads. So it's just... It's, I think there is a bit of, oh, if only. Yeah, if only. Quite. Okay, so... Uh, is there anything else to be said on, on transfers? Um, no, I think we brought in a goalie as well, isn't it? Where we've uh, Jake Turner, but he's, he's um, but yeah, they're the main ones. Okay, so a lot of it's quite up in the air, really, isn't it? So I suppose it, it's a lot. First game, one game under our belt remains to be seen. How yeah. all these uh, different um, players perform and 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 whether the a system. Uh, comes together out of their their inclusion and out of their um, their time together. Oh. So, did you want to talk about the Rafa letter then? Yeah. So today, just today, uh, the you know uh, it was a bit of an outcry, really, isn't it, from from Rafa in terms of a response to? I said, I guess you read the match day program, did you? Yes. Yeah. So, so you saw the the Lee Charnley articles, which which painted Rafa as a going for the money pretty much I think generally he has gone to China for the money <laughs> let's, let's firstly say I'm not saying he's left Newcastle for the money he's left Newcastle because he wasn't treated right he would have stayed if we'd um, you know if we'd supported him and done the improvements and given him the transfer budget cover 
but he has moved to China for money. So I don't think that I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. I think he has moved for money to to go to China because he could have waited. He would have got a top job, but that's it, and that's his his right. Yeah, I think he would have stayed at Newcastle if we'd given him proper, um, proper you know a proper structure and proper things. Um, I mean, the thing that I found interesting from the letter was that he said that they'd said that he wouldn't have control of the transfer policy, which again is just like you—you you know he's going to leave them. You yeah, know he's going to leave. Like, so for me, they didn't want to keep him because they knew if they go back to being, because at the beginning he was allowed to sign who he wanted, really, with within reason. Do you remember we were buying we got players like Hazes, Hammers, we were getting players in who were, you know, not under twenty-four, and they were rapper had wanted them within the budget he had. But I think I think it changed and I think he's probably when they said to him first, like, no, you're gonna have to go back to our old structure of under twenty-four um, and you don't pick the players, we pick them players obviously who have a resale value with the idea that you know they can do what they did with the likes of you know Yoen Kabai and Dumbabar where they basically buy them low and then sell them and make a profit which I mean it's just a bit demoralizing really isn't it it's like you're not really trying to build a great team you're just trying to make profit that's it um, the idea of yeah. I know Phil Neville was on telly saying about uh you know, you have to go slowly and and come back up and and you know create the building blocks. But they don't. That's not. It's not about building anything. It's about um, generating a profit, as you say, and and sustaining a sustaining a league position. I mean, looking at it, looking at it in terms of uh, in hindsight, really, um, I think they went along with what Rafa was saying beforehand because they knew he was capable of getting the team back up and also mm. consolidating the team in the league. And as soon as it's two, three seasons in, let's revert back to type and carry on doing what we've always done, even though uh, it's it's not worked out for us in the long run in the past. Mm. The other thing which I found interesting was he talked about how the players got bonuses, but he, his him and his coaching staff didn't, which, again... You know, it's gonna alienate if you're if you're an employee of a company and everyone else gets a bonus but you don't. It doesn't matter. Obviously, he's on a high salary, but you have to always think of these things relatively. And I'm pretty sure, you know, if someone achieves expectations with limited resources, then you know he deserved he deserved a bonus for sure for what he did over the last two years. And you know, if you don't reward him. He's going to, I mean, he, he, I think once I read that they, they wanted to take control of the transfer policy, then he's going to leave because he's not, he's not, he's not going to stand for that. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, I'll be honest. He said, everyone has said the story that Rafa, one of the things was, he said Joe Linton was overpriced, that he wasn't worth 40 million and that he would rather have the 40 million to pick his players. Um, so I kind of, I kind of get that. Yeah, it's great. Oh, you've given me money, but actually I can't pick the players I want. Like, I mean, I don't know. Because then you get judged. Like, I personally, I don't think Mewtwo was his signing. I've said this, you know, the number of times he he, he didn't even make the bench last year and 
the way he talked about it, it just suggested to me that either he was like ninth or tenth choice on his list, but I don't think he wanted him because he he hardly used him. So I think the yeah, famous just, lists, wasn't it? It was the famous lists yeah, he, he generated. Just, yeah, I just think he. I don't. I don't. I don't think that was his signing and. You know, I'm not doing this. I'm just doing this based on the way he talked about, you know, the way he talked about him and so forth. So, and we know historically that Rafa, when he's given players that he doesn't really want, he can struggle to fit them into systems. So I think probably for himself, he's done the right thing. I mean, at Liverpool, everyone remembers Liverpool signed Robbie Keane and he didn't really want Robbie Keane. You know, once I read that that transfer policy is gone from his control then he he was going to, you know, he was going to leave. I think one success that we can take from it is that we managed to get it publicised enough to get on the table of national media outlets and that actually get it discussed. It fast became a subplot to the Arsenal game. Unfortunately, I don't think as many people took up the actual boycott itself. Um, attendance figures are sort of stated at around 47,000 which it wouldn't surprise me if they are representative of season ticket sales that have also been included where people haven't attended on the day. Um, Sky obviously publicised areas of the ground that were pretty empty and I think on the on the basis of looking around the stadium, it was very sort of balanced. It, it, was, it wasn't a success, nor was it a failure. Um, one thing we've learned probably from it, I, I suspect, is that we picked a difficult game in that it was one of the top sort of six sides in the league. Uh, first game of the season, we've made signings. It's been a while since people have been and they want to be back. Um, that being said, though, it was also beneficial to have a, a nice run-up to a fixture where we could we could plan things out and actually attack it. Um, unfortunately, we're just a, a group of normal lads who, and lasses who work day in, day out and we don't have much time to organise these things. It's not actually our job. But the the real sort of thing to ensure that we do is is learn from this and persist. And if we don't persist, then it'll it'll fall to the wayside again. Mike Ashley's not going to sit up and listen, and the country aren't going to sit up and listen unless this protest is persistent and fresh, and continues to be sort of mildly entertaining and full of a better term. It needs to have people on board, switched on, and alert to what's going on at our football club. And coming back to the the article, um, you know everything you've said there, I I agree with. Um, and coming back to the article, it's it's, it's talked about mistrust, and and mm. he ends on on that note, doesn't he? That he just he just couldn't trust uh, what was going on anymore, and that's that's a similar thing. We've had that with Shearer, we've had that with Keegan certainly um, in the past, and it's another another person on the list. And, and it just happens to be uh, the most decorated person probably that, that, that's managed the, the club in modern times. Mm. Uh, my, my issue as well is you're not going to get anyone better. And who are you going to trust? You're going to trust a scout to choose the players to sign. Are you going to trust Rafa Benitez? Like, he has such an encyclopedic knowledge of football. Yeah, he's made mistakes, I agree. Hosolu is a disaster signing, you know, I agree. And there have been some, there were some bad signings. Matt Sells, I think, was a signing we didn't need at the time. <laughs> you know, there's there, there were some bad signings, but I would just, I would always trust Rafa. And also, he hasn't been able to shop 
at the forty million pound price market. You mm. know, he might have been able to pull out someone, you know, really good for us. And you know, he was always working in that kind of five million and below market, except for the Almiron deal. But the majority were kind of five to ten million players. So you don't know what he would have been able to do if he had been allowed to spend, say, another twenty, which they spent on Saint Maxime forty on, you know. And I just, I just feel it's a real wasted opportunity. I think he has gone for the money, generally. I think, for me, judging, looking at the Chinese Super League as a whole, and generally, you know, the league structure, whilst it's developing, it's nowhere near compared to Europe, and the only reason people are going is for the money. But he would have stayed if he'd had a proper... If we'd given him a proper... But it's just... I think we just have to accept these things. Nothing will change, unfortunately. Okay, yeah, I think that, well, that the, the letter was pretty cut and dry as a, mm. it was a counterpoint to what Lee Charney was saying. And so it's as simple uh, as that. There was disagreement yeah. um, and, and it's uh, resulted, that's what's ultimately resulted in, yeah. in that summer situation. I think it was also a PR own goal from them because Rafa has said he's not, he, he won't be talking about them because he doesn't want to... Um, he didn't want to basically detract from Steve Bruce and everything, but because they criticised him in the programme, he's going to respond as is his right. If someone criticises you, you're going to react. So what they've done now is they've, he's been more he, yeah, so he's been more open and honest. So we, you know, like you said, Keegan, Shira, Benitez every, we all know that he's just not he's a terrible owner and Lee Charnley's just a popper, he's just it is what it is, unfortunately. Okay, so we've probably got about 10 minutes or so just to talk about the actual day itself and the politics surrounding all that. Mm. Um, you obviously went to the game. Mm. Um, I know you had a lot of conflict and, and things like that over the, over the summer, uh, internal self-introspection yeah. about your your season ticket i know you got rid of your season ticket yeah i um, didn't renew it we didn't renew it yeah so you went you you, you went to the game um yeah. cards on the cards on the table obviously i'm i'm a big part of a, a a protest group you are you are pretty much or historically have been your everyday match going fan and i think that's yeah. been a really valuable thing on this podcast but what 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 how how much of an awareness did you have of the proposed boycott that was going on, what, Obviously, what, what drove you to attend and things like that? Um, so what drove me to attend was I didn't renew my season ticket, like I said, and then kind of I was expecting there to be huge amounts of people not attending and that the season ticket sales would be lower. What I found was that, you know, we still the expected the expected attendance was in the 46 to 49,000, which is huge. There's no more than the majority of Premier League clubs. You know, it's not, I think we probably, you know, it's probably the sixth biggest Premier League attendance, probably. And, I mean, how is, like, for me, it just made me realise that no one else is boycotting. So, for me, with a boycott, you either, everyone does it, or there's no point, and and so I, I mean I only booked the ticket very late on, but it just yeah, and I probably 
I probably will not be going to many more games. I probably went because it was the first game of the season. But generally, it was just... There's a lot of fans who have renewed, and rightly, you know, it's their choice. But we have to accept... I mean, I was talking to a lot of people, because I sat near where I used to usually sit, and they were saying they renewed because they felt the the transfers... But I was like, we hadn't... Because when I didn't renew, we didn't have a manager. We hadn't signed anyone. So I didn't quite get their argument. I think people just find it very, very hard not to, because it's part of their weekend and it's hard as part of their daily activities. Um, because some of them people have been going for 20, 30 years. Like, and they their argument is support the team, not the, not the ownership. But I think the two are entwined personally. But... It is very, very difficult. Okay. Yeah. It's um, apparently it was reported to be about um, that. the club put out, it was around 47 uh, mm. in terms of attendance. So that chimes with the figure that mm. you've just quoted. Um, there seemed to be, obviously, there, there, there wasn't the, the, the full scale boycott that was hoped for by a lot of the protest groups. Um, there did seem to be a few sort of Sizeable the pockets Gallagher of gaps in the, the, Gall- in the, the Gallagher end. There was in the Gallagher end, yeah. Yeah, I'd say, okay. But I wouldn't say huge amounts. Yeah, so um, it's. Um, I think it's, it was. It's, it's probably a, a, a cause for a lot of um, introspection and self-reflection for these uh, for the protest groups involved. Um, it doesn't seem that there is. You know, I, I, I would argue, you know, obviously people, some people bought into it. But as you say, the majority of the fans are, are, seem to be um, people for whom the, they can put the ownership perhaps to the to the back of their minds, provided it, you know, they get a, their, their day out on a match day and it, it'd be part of the um, part of the match day experience. Um, so, yeah, it's. Um, it's an interesting thing for for people supportive of those sorts of things going forward, and I, I guess it's it's a case of seeing how the season this, pans yeah. out. I suppose. I think the boycotts and so forth. For me, it's always entwined with how the team is doing. If the team yeah. is, because if you remember last season, there was huge amounts of people wanting to boycott after we didn't win for ten games. Um, and you know the boycott talk got started up again. I think if that happens again, um, without Rafa Benitez this time, um, then I think there will it will it will happen because people will be annoyed. Um, personally, looking at it, it feels very very similar to the Steve McLaren <laughs> season. There's just certain things which is just making me think. Um, it's very similar to the Steve McLaren season. Um, I think you might get good good odds on it going that way. Yeah, um, it just there is something about it. Um, you know, but I think obviously I have to be fair to Steve Bruce and give him some time to show. And I think Norwich away will be a very interesting game because Norwich have not spent. I think they spent one point, very little money. Um, themselves um, so it would be very interesting it will be intriguing to see 
um, how we do against Norwich, um, Norwich away, because obviously a newly promoted side, probably a side that's going to be in the relegation, you know, scrap. So it will be a good yard tester to see if, how things are. Yeah, it's more of a I mean, more of a better litmus test, that isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we were always going to struggle for goals. I mean, as I said, there's like no Rondon, no Perez. That's where most of our goals came from. Like, it's, it's just you, if you take that many goals out of the team, it's it's going to be an issue to get goals. I mean, you know, and again, you know, Perez said in his in his, you know that. You know, he would have stayed if Newcastle were being ambitious and if Rafford stayed. And Rondon said the same, pretty much. That, well, but Rondon didn't even have the option because he didn't even try and buy him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Dear um, me. Yeah, I mean... But, yeah, then again, he has gone to China as well. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, it's. I think it's more understandable with players... Um, uh, you know, given how short their careers can be and things like that, but um, mm. uh, yeah, Norwich. Uh, I thought they played okay uh, the other night, despite the horrendous scoreline. And Grant um, Hanley scoring an own goal. Yeah, yeah, I felt, I felt really bad. You could tell the dejection on his on his face when that, that happened. Bizarre. For Newcastle, that was a bizarre signing. <laughs> I don't know. Like we literally signed him. He played like I think three games. He was such a meaningless signing when we had him. Uh, I mean, I can understand it. Obviously, we wanted a squad for the championship, but he hardly ever played. Um, I think that was it. He was just like he, a kind of Daryl Murphy fourth choice. Yeah, it was Lasalle's Clark and Mbemba first. But I think even you know Dummett was get would have played at centre back rather than play Anley. Uh, yeah, I felt very sorry for him with that own goal. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting for us to see how we do against Norwich. Um, I think they'll keep the ball better. Um, that was definitely an issue against Arsenal that we couldn't keep the ball for long periods either. Do you care to put a number on it in terms of scoreline? Um, I think it might be a two-all. As high uh, scoring as that? Yeah, I think it might be a two-all. Two, two um, I think two teams... I think for me, Norwich is probably going to struggle the most in the Premier League out of the newly promoted sides. Um, so yeah, I think it probably they looked very defensively naive. They look very good going forward, like they've got good movement going forward. But yeah, I think probably I would say two, two, or I'm hoping for a two all. Um, it will be interesting to see how Bruce sets up the team and whether the new players like like is he gonna? Because st- for me, like Saint Maxim now probably should start. <laughs> Um, but how is he going to set up the team? What formations are he going to play? Um, and yeah, it, it will be it will be fascinating to see what we do. Yeah. So here's to an exciting new season <laughs> going into uh, 2020. Um, you know, yeah. let's see if it turns out to be. Another McLaren, or it turns out to be something more. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. I think a lot. Even for me, the transfer window is the best window we've actually had for a long period of time. But because 
it's so disorganised and who we've bought and like we said we haven't got the manager that we want it feels very strange so we're happy that we've done deals because we hadn't if you'd said to me oh in a year's time you're going to buy a 40 million player and a 16 million player I would never have believed it (laughs) so but it's just because we don't have the manager we want we have a manager who there's a lot of questions about him and it's just again it started a very negative summer in terms of press relations from the club so yeah we'll wait and see so yeah catch us next week and we'll be analyzing the Norwich game and uh, please hit please subscribe all right thanks very much cheers Cheers.